This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to CR Crime, a podcast that tells tales of true crime as they happen in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt. In this episode, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day with a tale of a murder that involved an old friend of your narrator. At this critical juncture, I would like to warn you, the listener, that there is a description of someone getting murdered. Secondly, I am well aware that there is a prospect of anybody in the victim's family or any of his friends, of whom I am one, who happen to be listening to this episode, who will unfortunately have to relive the horror as this tale goes on. At this point, all I can do is quote the old saying, listener discretion is advised. If you feel at any time that this is upsetting you, go ahead and fast forward through this episode. And lastly and furthermore, I would like to state in the interest of full and honest disclosure that this was not an easy episode for which to type up the script and do the research, especially as I knew this person. So with all that in mind, let us now get to this week's episode. Immigration of the Irish to the United States began as early as the discovery of the New World, with the first set of Irish arriving in present-day Florida with Ponce de Leon in the mid-16th century. However, the most notable wave of immigrants from the Emerald Isle came some 300 years later, following the Great Famine that wiped out the island's potato crop. Many settled in tenements in New York City upon arrival to this country, but soon spread out in all directions, upstate New York in general, and the capital region in particular, being no exception. In fact, Albany and both of Saratoga County cities take up the lion's share of the region's populace who self-identify as having ancestors from the Old Sod, with Saratoga Springs having an historic neighborhood called Dublin on the city's west side, so named because that's where the city's Irish immigrants settled when they first came here. And it's in the spa city where this episode takes place, among the backdrop of revelry, both drunk and sober, of St. Patrick's Day. Now, as I stated at the top of this episode, this was not an easy episode for which to write up the script and do the research and all that, all the stuff that is needed for a true crime podcast. I have but a personal connection to the victim in this tale of true crime that you're going to hear later on. You're hearing right now, really. And he was a kid by the name of Ryan Rossley. Ryan was born in Albany, but grew up in Saratoga Springs. And I first met him when I was in middle school. We were both in the band together. He was in the trumpet section. I was playing the flute way back when. And I certainly remember being in band. He was one of a few misfits in that band who would give Mr. Jacobson fits. Oh, boy. And it sure made things interesting in the band room at the old junior high. Well, Brian and I got to be close friends. He played on the lacrosse team when he was in high school. I think I remember in junior high he played on the soccer team too, but I could be wrong. It was so long ago all this took place. After graduating from Saratoga High in 2001, Rossley went on to SUNY Oneonta, from where he graduated four years later. Ryan later moved to Raleigh, North Carolina to work in the construction business, 
only to move back to Saratoga several years later, to be closer to his family. This family consisted of parents Maureen and Stephen, two brothers and one sister. Rossley had missed going to the Adirondack Mountains for all manner of outdoor recreation. It should be known that he was a member of ADK, the Adirondack Mountain Club. He continued working in the construction business on his move back to the spa city and also had aspirations of entering graduate school to become a teacher. He was also a fan of the Detroit Red Wings NHL hockey team and traveled with his father to Game 5 of the previous year's Stanley Cup Finals. It was the night of St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 2010, and as could be expected, Caroline Street, Saratoga's de facto bar district, was thronged with revelers, Rossley being among the good many hundreds of patrons at the many bars that lined the two blocks of the street between Broadway and Henry Street. When said revelers are getting sloshed on Guinness, green beer, etc., there is sure to also be the odd confrontation. And such, sadly, was the case here. According to the Albany Times Union, Rossley had gotten into some type of altercation with a hitherto unidentified man outside Clancy's Tavern in the pre-dawn hours of March 18th. The angry, brawling mob quickly made their way to the aforementioned Henry Street, where Rossley was hit by a Nissan Maxima, briefly landing on the car and falling to the pavement below. Rossley was airlifted to Albany Medical Center, where he died after 12 hours on a life support machine. Rossley was a week and a half removed from his 27th birthday. Those of us who knew the man born Ryan Patrick Rossley were shocked and saddened to hear of his death. I count myself as one of them. Three days later, I traveled from my parents' home in nearby Wilton to the Flynn Brothers' funeral home in Scalaville for his visitation. A good many of my old friends from high school, as well as a number of faculty who we had back in those days, attended the wake. The wait was up to three hours, all told. And if I may add some commentary here, it was no way to see people with whom you hadn't crossed paths for many years since that time. Rossley's funeral services were held the next day at St. Clement's Church in Saratoga Springs. He was buried at the cemetery in the Warren County hamlet of Brant Lake. As for the person who drove the car that killed Ryan Rossley, he was later identified as Travis Carroll, a 23-year-old resident of the town of Charlton. On April 16th, Carroll pled guilty to the charge of second-degree manslaughter, a Class C felony, in Saratoga County Court with Judge Anthony Scarano presiding. According to the Amedial Law Firm, Carroll ended up pleading guilty on the back of witness statements. It was also revealed that Carroll had an accomplice, Jeffrey Hampshire, then 29 years old, who had been no stranger to both the courts and law enforcement. Almost a decade earlier, in 2001, he was acquitted of murdering the step-grandmother of his companion, Catherine Sieber, after the latter testified that they both had a hand in her death. Four years later, he spent four months at the Mohawk Correctional Facility in Rome after burglaring an unknown business. Two years later, he was at it again when he, with an unknown person, robbed the Weathervane Seafood Restaurant. He was sentenced to two to four years at the Bear Hill Correctional Facility in Franklin County for that burglary, only to be paroled on July 29, 2009. The day before Carroll's guilty plea, Hampshire was arrested for allegedly tampering with evidence 
and trying to conceal the damage caused when Carroll's car hit Rossley. He was found guilty the following January. Hampshire, that is. But back to the other murdering dickweed, if we may. Ryan's grief-stricken surviving family members packed the Saratoga County Courthouse in Balsam Spa with his mother, Maureen, reading a statement which described, but didn't disguise the sadness the family had felt over their loss. Two months later, Carol was sentenced to a maximum of 15 years in prison for Rosley's murder. Maureen described the agony of seeing one of her sons on a life support apparatus at Albany Med for 12 hours before his passing and asked of Carol, how do you sleep at night? End quote. After the conviction, Carol told Rosley that he was sorry for the fatal accident, to which she curtly replied, no you're not. Carol was sent to the Downstate Correctional Facility in Fishkill, Dutchess County. In August 2021, Carol went up before the parole board and it was determined that he would be released on conditional parole in August 2023. She ended up filing suit against Carol early in 2011, though she had doubts about whether he'd be able to pony up the sufficient funds. Several months later, Jeffrey Hampshire's trial began with Assistant District Attorney James Davis trying for the defense and Judge Scarana presiding over this trial as well. A hearing took place on May 2, 2011 to determine whether Hampshire was a persistent felon as this was his third felony conviction. If so, he would have had anywhere from an extra one and a half to three years tacked on to the sentence he'd received for aiding and abetting Carroll. Judge Scarano ruled against the defense, and on July 8th, he was sentenced to two to four years in state prison for the evidence tampering charge, with eligibility for parole coming in eight months given his time served in county jail. Hampshire was paroled on January 10th, 2014. He had violated his parole for the 2007 robbery by being out on Caroline Street that fateful night. As if the preceding wasn't sad enough, I offer this first part of the epilogue. Ryan's father, Stephen, died of cancer on March 1, 2015 at the age of 65. His death came almost five years after Ryan's murder. Both father and son are buried in the Brant Lake Cemetery. Two weeks after Carol's conviction... Ryan's family and those of us who knew him, me included, gathered at the Putnam Den, now Putnam Place Rock Club in Saratoga Springs, for a fundraiser to honor Ryan. Hair the Dog and Irish Rock Band, popular around these parts, were among the performers. The funds went to the construction of a picnic shelter at Scholar Park in the town of Saratoga, across from the Farmer's Daughter Ice Cream Stand. Rossley's family attended the dedication of the pavilion on August 19, 2011, a month and a half after Hampshire's conviction. Ryan Rossley meant a good deal to both his family and all those whose lives he touched. While law and order prevailed in bringing his two murderers to justice, there are many of us who wish that the two criminals depicted in this episode had gotten longer sentences, especially life in prison without parole. This coming from one of the many people who directed his friends to write victim impact statements at one of their sentencing hearings. All I've been trying to say is, please be safe when celebrating St. Patrick's Day this year. Aaron Gabra, we miss you, Ryan.
And thus ends yet another episode of CR Crime, the only podcast that tells tales of true crime as they happen in New York's capital region. I've been your host, Jason Bullitt. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there, and I'll talk to you again real soon. But back to the other murderous dickweed for a second. Ryan's grief-stricken surviving family members packed the Saratoga... This has been a Kitty Pod production. Produced in Saratoga County, New York. Shared with the world.